water. Earth. Fire. Air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Elitist Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. A podcast about all things Avatar. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated to Bending the Elements, an Avatar podcast by us, the novice leadists. Caleb, at the time of recording and at this time, how are you doing? Oh, I'm ruined. You know, I'm completely destroyed. Yeah. In the dumps. I'm sorry, buddy. There you that's, go. That's, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's that time, I guess. It's just it's going through the hump and it's only Monday. There you go. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to covering this one. Yeah. Book three, chapter six. Yeah, the Avatar and the Far Lord. Yeah. Oh, it's that's it. Oh. Oh man, it's you know, he's got the, his head in the sand right now. Oh, he's just it's in the dumps right now. It's a serious. What came to this? What 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 would happen with the episode? I guess we'll just talk about the episode. <laughs> um, do you know who wrote this episode, sir? Oh, this was Elizabeth Welch Ehas back again. Um, I can't remember who directed it. It may have been Ethan Spaulding, but I believe it was Ethan Spaulding. You you go ahead. I mean, I, we're we're here at a milestone. I was just kidding there. I'm very excited to talk about this one. This is one of those those big ones that makes the lists of favorite episodes of avatar all time. This is in that, that pile. So it's just a big deal. And it's all thanks to, uh, miss, uh, the, the, the writer formerly known as miss Ehaz. Got it. There you go. Formerly known. That's the, uh, yeah, I believe the animation was provided by JM animation. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> Are you? No, not at all. Oh, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, if you would, sir, uh, well, uh, was it uh, was the director uh, Ethan Spalding? Yes, it was. Yeah. Please, sir, if you don't mind reading the summary. All right, the summary. We open this episode with Aang in yet another dream, but instead of being caught reliving his past, he takes a trip down the past of a different avatar. Roku and Fang come to pay him a visit, and take Aang on a journey through several phases of his life. And to mirror that plot, Zuko remains dealing with his own troubled history when his dreams are disturbed by a mysterious visitor who leads him to discover the hidden history between Avatar Roku and his great-grandfather, Fire Lord Sozin. Warped and changed through the ages, Zuko learns the truth of their friendship during the time before Roku was first declared the Avatar and the wedge that came between them during the years of his training. Roku returns to the Fire Nation as a master of the Four Elements, and Sozin comes to him with a plan to use his Avatar abilities and Sozin's military mind to spread the prosperity of the Fire Nation across the globe. Roku is aghast at the suggestion and tells him that he won't allow it. But when Sozin goes ahead with his plans, Roku is forced to return and put the smack down to the Fire Lord. But out of their past friendship, he spares Sozin's life by the two and their friendship. They're separated for decades, but when a volcano on Roku's island erupts into disaster, Sozin flies in on his dragon to lend a hand. The two seemingly reunite, but when Roku finds himself in a fatally compromised position, Sozin sees his chance to be rid of the troublesome Avatar. He leaves him to die, and returns home to begin his reign of terror. But haunted by the fear of retaliation, he spends the last years of his life searching out the lost Avatar Aang and committing a genocide on the Air Nation. 
Both Zuko and Aang come away with different perspectives on the purpose of this story being told to them. Aang seeing it as a parable that everyone can be lost or redeemed if given the chance. But Zuko is horrified by the genetic implications of the story and goes to visit Uncle Iroh, who tells him that the story wasn't just about one of his great-grandfathers, but two of them, as Roku is his maternal great-forebearer. And with those revelations unveiled, let's get into The Avatar and the Fire Lord. Thank you, sir. Most informative. Now, uh, to those listening, if, you ha- if you'd like to watch alongside us, which is going to be so jarring that I wouldn't suggest it, but still, if you have the mental fortitude to do so, uh, get your legally, illegally, physically, or digitally purchased copies of Avatar. Get to timestamp zero in episode six. And plus by right now. Hopefully we'll give you something that resembles an intellectually stimulating conversation, but I will not promise anything. <laughs> Whistler son. So anyways, we open up to Flames. A good band. Yeah, Flames on the top of my head. Yeah. And we see Avatar Roku. It has been a while since episode one, I guess. And we see Aang, hairless, and in his previous clothing attire. Let's go. It's season one Aang, or book one Aang. And it seems you're about to be, the plot is about to be explained to you yet again. Oh boy. Yeah, I thought that was interesting to see him. I guess his spirit form is is hairless. Seems a bit odd, but <laughs> I guess I'll take it. The, the true, I, I took it as like in his dreams, it's the true self. Like it's what obviously he would re- be represented in. Mm. So of course, like, you know, what he wants to look like is, well, his regular self, hairless and in his air nomad attire, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and of course, Roku will explain this again on the summer solstice on his island which I can't remember if it's the same island the fire sages were on in the winter solstice or not. Avatar Roku back in book one, maybe I'm getting my facts misconstrued. That's a good question. Yeah, I I can't remember either. But yeah, I I thought this was a cool start, you know, opening up with Aang getting this this vision. And then, yeah, that's kind of a kickoff to the the story for this one. I, I like that. All your questions shall be answered. At least most of them. We still don't know about like Zuko and Mom. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, and I like getting another shot of uh, Jean Jacket here coming to the Avatar world. Uh, you forgot something. Nope, but I forget. You forgot a certain prince being woken in the night with a mysterious scroll by somebody. Oh yes, you're right. I did miss that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So another another setup. We see some mysterious. You know, he wakes up. He's like, "What? What's the scroll doing here?" And as he gets up to investigate, he sees some some sneaky person scrambling to escape. So, hmm. yes, an assailant, but not an assassin. It's the it's the ninja librarians. They're up to no good. They're 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 they're, they're up to their tricks again oh. of delivering letters at midnight. And yeah, maybe we'll find out more of that as this uh, as this goes along. Given that the contents of said scroll are about, you must understand the reasons and the the truth behind your great grandfather interesting and then we go obviously to the next scene at 0210 and we see jean jacket <laughs> and uh, jean jacket of course being a reference to the jordan peele film uh from last year nope with ang and his uh cloud disguise there which by the way i love that cloud disguise i think that's really cool yeah it looks like ang's doing it himself which is pretty cool uh yeah no this is not fire temple island never mind so that is separate i was wrong i think if 
my past self said that um, mm. Fire Temple Island was laid on the grounds of uh, Avatar Roku's previous home. I was incorrect. Yeah, and this place is yeah an island covered in volcanic um, remains here. I'm not sure what you call that kind of volcanic rock. I can't remember. <laughs> igneous, extrusive, intrusive. Igneous might be right. Um... Igneous, extrusive, because it's out of the earth. Uh, what was it? Malefic is something. Plutonic is something. Else. I apologies. I my my memory on my geology, you know, my geologic terms is is fading. Yeah, go back to the last episode and you'll see that. Uh, yeah, we were, we're in the same boat right now. Yeah. Oh, you mean oh, with weathering and and smoothing of the sand of. Uh, oh, okay. I see. What you're Whatever those rocks were called. <laughs> Pillar formation rocks, got it. Exactly. Well, that was that was definitely like weathering from wind. So, yeah, before we find out what's the remnants there, except uh, we do find out Toph, because they're like, oh, this seems like a barren place. But Toph recognizes, using her seismic sense, that, oh, there's there's something buried here. There's a whole town that's been, been covered over. So we'll learn more about that. Like Pompeii, there used to be a civilization in this area. And speaking of civilization, we, we flash back over to, to Zuko, and he's having some thoughts here. He's looking at a picture of the old Fire Lord, Fire Lord uh, Sozin. And yeah, he's, he's starting to question, considering that little piece of information they read earlier. It would seem that though this part of the, uh, the, the, the capital, the, the uh, capital building, or the castle, excuse me, uh, is, I guess, the dynasty room where we see each of the Fire Lords throughout the years. Um, different from the statues of the Avatars, but this time it's paintings of the Fire Lords. Yeah, which I think is quite cool. I think all the set design here looks really, really nice with the, uh, I guess, kind of dragon's tails wrapped around the pillars and things. I think that's really pretty looking. Architecture looks great. The coloring's great. Just great all around. Good job, Good job production crew. Yeah. And all, and all crew members, excuse me. And as Zuko's looking, um, Azula happens to wander by, and he kind of, he, he stops her and asks her, what, what do you know about our great-grandfather? Or I guess is a great-great-grandfather. Yes, uh, our great-grandfather, because there was uh, Ozai, Azulon, and then Sozin. So there's there's three, like, preceding them, so it would be great-grandfather. Or would it be great-great? Oh, yeah, no, that's confusing. No, I'm pretty sure it's great-grandfather. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm always getting confused with those sorts of things. <laughs> well, just because my, cause my great-grandmother lived till she was 105. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's so a long time. That, that's, that, well, <laughs> hey, she was, born on the, she was born on the farm. My great-aunt also was you know, a prairie girl, so you know, she, she ate raw garlic on her toast. Yeah. Not that that means anything, but she, <laughs> she, she literally sweated garlic, my mother told me. I'm like, that is oh, God. awesome. <laughs> Oh, it's not. Believe me, it is not. It's it's yeah, gross. Probably not, but hey, I mean, she she wanted what vampires had, old age, and she could avoid the vampires as well. Anyways, I'm at uh, 0330, and I want that as like a painting, because uh, it is cool. It's Aang in a meditative pose along a rock, similar to Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, and the sun's about to rise. And we see like the glow of the sun bathed towards him. And you can almost see like a pseudo cross. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> uh, I don't think I saw the pseudo cross. But you can also see the. But what you can't see is the mark on his back. You said uh, three thirty. Yep. Oh, three thirty. Yeah, I'm still trying to see if I can see the pseudo. Oh, with the sunset, the pseudo cross. Yep. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then you can obviously see the mark on his back. Uh, and then at oh three thirty five, uh, after Aang meditates in the um, spirit world this time successfully this time, um, yeah. he we jump from an image of him uh, in book three and then back to book one Aang with no hair. It's like that's the Aang we want to see. There you go. I'm sure they enjoyed animating that again. Yep. I'm sure they're starting to miss him. <laughs> Nostalgia for a uh, for a two year old show by this point. But then we. We see as he stands up, that's when Fang comes gliding in with old Avatar Roku on atop him. Let's me tell you the never-ending story. There you go. Yeah, I can hear that song playing in the back of my head already. But so we, we travel from the spiritual realm uh, to the Fire Lord, or sorry, the Fire Prince's room. As he's mulling over the details of the scroll, he's like, what the hey is going on with the scroll? And he throws it at the lamp in frustration. Then, as Buzz Lightyear would say, there's a, it's a secret message. Yeah, which very convenient for those uh, whoever's leaving these messages. You know, they uh, maybe they assumed in his rage that he would like try to light it on fire with his hands. You know, there, that does make a good point because somehow, if there's invisible ink in this, uh, or there's a hidden message in there that you have to like reveal with this with light source, you gotta wonder how like given the contents of like who you're giving it to. How do you make him see that without like it being burnt in flames? Maybe they have a secret airbender who who was maybe Yang isn't the last and he was <laughs> gonna throw it across the room and they use their airbending to uh, put it over the lamp. <laughs> Getting real convoluted now. You mean like the secret airbender that was back in the Northern Air Temple? There you go. Yeah, that one. That was yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Or or sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was that one? The Blue Spirit. That's what it was. The Blue Spirit back in book one. Where it was like, oh, I thought the Blue Spirit was an airbender, but no. Or it just could be one of those like elusive uh, airbending dragon flies. But uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it does seem a little a little bit convoluted there, that kind of trick. But it, it worked out for them, so you know they're happy about it. Uh, the point is to get Zuko from point A to B, and we go to uh, the Fire Sages again. Uh, this time in the, the part of the uh, capital city, I assume. Yeah. Hidden in the Dragon Bone Catacombs, which is a cool name. Oh, yeah. And similar to the structure uh, or the entranceway in the previous uh, time we were with the Fire Sages, uh, the locking mechanism this time is a floor panel, and you have to blast fire into it. Uh, and it'll open from six chambers, and you will descend a staircase uh, into the underworld. Yep, and, and Zuko, he hangs out, he waits till the evening. I guess maybe he was waiting because we see a, a fire sage go down. Maybe he was waiting for him to come back up and just got impatient. I was thinking the same way. And so he sneaks down there. And I like this this element of this kind of mystery running through this and reading this, this secret hidden history. I don't know if you were thinking of this at all, but it was kind of making me think of the Chamber of Secrets with learning about the, the hidden history of the Tom Riddle there. So speaking, yeah, speaking of Chamber of Secrets, you're not wrong there, but I was also, for some strange reason, I don't know why I had this, but the hallway at 0435, I got something to say about that, but the hallway reminded me of, I don't know why, this just was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, I thought of 
the hallway that uh, Kenobi comes down in episode two when he's on Kamino and he meets uh, the Kaminoans as the, the the head chancellor or whatever, the headmaster or whatever that is. And he has that conversation. That just, that's the first thing that reminded me of. But I definitely can see the Chamber of Secrets in this. But what I'm more like, dang, this is either perverted or this is like weird is it's like the skeletons and skulls of dragons. Like, yeah. That's pretty metal. Like, holy smokes. Even the like ceiling is either like in like a metal image of, uh, or metal frame of like a dragon's rib cage, or that is like an actual like dragon's rib cage. Yeah. Which is interesting. I'm not sure if this is perverse or if it's holy. I'm confused. A lot of a lot of perverse stuff is considered holy. Yeah, a lot of worshiping the the remnants of the past. Yeah. Yeah. I would think it was. I would think it was creepy if I was around just a bunch of yeah dragon skulls. I'd be like, oh, this. Oh, I don't know. Um. And so he goes to the end of the hallway to a door, and it's I think in the image of Sozin or one of the fire lords. And this time again to open the door, you have to use fire bending. Um. And just basically put your hand in front of the. Uh, fire nation symbol and blossom fire in there and then and when i said it was the underworlds uh, literally like fire comes out of the fire lord's mouth and eyes yep and then he enters the uh, the giant head chamber from prometheus and there's all the little mini jars around that are waiting to uh melt with the temperature change <laughs> i don't know why i saw that in that song. um <laughs> caleb just really loves prometheus i don't i don't <laughs> Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's part like you you love it. You just there's there's parts of it that frustrate you. Yeah, I love it visually. That's certainly true. I think it's amazing visually. But yeah, pretty stupid movie otherwise. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we go into this like chamber of, of secrets, and uh, in there is a statue of a dragon, and there's some tomes there that Suko grabs, and as we do that, uh, we flash uh, into the spiritual realm uh, with Aang and Roku. As uh, he climbs aboard, what was his name again in Neverending Story? Oh, yeah. Falcor? I think it was Falcor. Pro- Proto uh, Haku, I believe, from Spirited <laughs> Away. Even though it's not sure actually Haku yeah. comes first. Not first, but like. Yeah, the tradition. That is like an actual. That's a Japanese dragon, and uh, Falcor is based off of like, I guess, different dragons throughout history. So that's yeah. kind of ignorant to me. Yeah, taken from in, some inspiration, maybe from uh, maybe from Manda from the the Godzilla universe. Probably not. <laughs> Shrugs. Yeah, but then we, yeah, as we we enter this this flashback, and I think this one's from the perspective of Aang, but it's hard to tell sometimes which side of the the story we're seeing more the perspective from. But we see these young firebenders together, Roku and and Sozin, long before Roku knows that he's the Avatar. Today, not today, but here we have, at the same time, or at least in the story at the same time, don't know like in-universe when this happened, but most likely the same time, around the same time, are the summer solstice, by the way. Aang, shouldn't you be asking uh, Roku how to firebend? Or who could be your firebending teacher? Mm. Don't you have to master the elements? Anyways... Um, we have Zuko, uh, also reading 
the the contents of this scroll and the life story of Sozin, and we hear um, Slade's voice narrate this. Go on. Yeah, I'm curious if Roku, before he came to, to Aang, came to someone else and was like, hey, this is a good time for both these guys to learn about this. Why don't you start giving Zuko some information about uh, about our past and I'll go and do that with Aang. We'll see if we can see if we can get this working together. <laughs> Colluding with somebody, eh? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out maybe or not. <laughs> yes, no, but we, we get we get a narration by, like I said, Slade about the Avatar and the Fire Lord or Fire Lord and the Avatar, whatever. whatever. Yeah, and we see the two of them having a little bit of a bending battle. And yeah, they seem like they're a good, good pair. You know, they've got their their chemistry as friends. I think that's quite sweet to see. I can't tell if this is Agni Kai or not. Mm, didn't look like it's it. Maybe it probably isn't. Yeah, it's just sparring. Because if it was Agni Kai, I think it wouldn't be you know set in some place that could light you know light up in flames. <laughs> and it was uh, it was Sozin that won the the battle there, right? And yeah, it was a little little sparring session was run by Sozin by using uh, his the environment around him. Yeah plot point oh there you go yeah and as they're leaving their little practice act area heading into the town or i guess different part of the the castle maybe yeah this is the same tree i i, I don't know if it's the same tree but it's a similar tree to where um may tylee uh, zuko and um azula were when they were kids and zuko alone yeah we a similar similar looking courtyard i mean yeah, a lady happens to walk by the two of them, and yeah, Roku, he, he's got the dumb guy routine. He, he's fallen, he, he's like slouched over, he's got the rosy cheeks, he's standing in a posture that would be not attractive to anybody, I would think, with the mouth open too. <laughs> what can we say? It's springtime, and the birds and the bugs are everywhere. There you go, yeah. Yeah, the birds and the, the flying yellow and black bugs, yeah. Again, put a pin in this. I have a rant for later. Yeah, and we see that he he wants to 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 say something, but you know he has that typical guy thing where he just kind of freezes up and you know can't get the words out, and so she wanders on. And I think it's really cute when he falls on the ground and sows and just starts picking up grass and putting it on his face. I was thinking, I was like, if that was me, I would be breaking out. My face would be all red with vibes <laughs> from my grass allergies but i think it's yes. sweet the other way no, that's, yes that's true all of a sudden you just like to okay it's a friend thing i assume that they would know each other's like yes um, <laughs> each other's dietary restrictions and if they're allergic <laughs> they're allergic or not excuse me yeah and are you allergic to grass or would you wouldn't mind having some in your face one day just for further reference uh <laughs> i wouldn't mind you Dropping cedar on me to see if I break up my hives or not, given that I'm apparently like allergic to cedar pollen. So I'm like, let's see if like cedar pollen would kill me or yeah. potentially like, you know, give me hives or we'll do an experiment. I'm, I mean, if you could somehow drop a bunch of dust on me, that'll help. That'll really like ruin me, given I'm uh, more allergic to dust mites. Mm, yeah, me too. It makes sense. But, uh, anyways, and slight allergy to dogs, which I effing hate, but anyway. Yeah, that sucks. Me too. Yep. Yeah, but love is hard when you're young. A love of dogs and a love of a, a girl that you can't speak to. Flash forward to their birthday celebrations. Uh, the, uh, Roku and Sozin, excuse me. Uh, and apparently they share the same birthday. That's pretty awesome. 
and yeah. we uh, we see them, you know, I guess getting ready to be the uh, I guess attendees and I don't know, like be a part of the ceremonies. And of course, uh, young Iroku still has the hots for uh, lovely Ta Ta Min, I believe. And you know, just uh, he's 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 got the jittery legs, man. He's, his legs become jello, and he almost tri he trips and he almost falls. Thankfully, he's got his butt there to, to keep his keep him afloat and keep him upright. Yep, his butt who's always there to catch him when he falls. Yeah, we'll see if that's maybe a setup for some too later. But uh, yeah, they're approached by the the fire sage men. I guess I think these are fire sages. Yep, fire sages with important news. Yeah, they've come to announce the new avatar. It's interesting to see that that uh, Roku learned it so late in his life. He looks like he uh, maybe late teens, I would think. Um, I mean, at this point, I don't really care about spoilers, but the the appropriate age a avatar is told when they are to be the avatar is sixteen years old. Mm. This is the sixteenth birthday celebration, and Aang was to be told it when he was sixteen. But we'll find out why. Um, so the sages announced this to them, all including Sozin and attending the party, bow before the new avatar. Yeah, which I think is a nice moment. And I like they do a little pan around him. It was kind of making me think actually about how uh, what, what M. Night did in the uh, last airbender at the end there when everyone was bound to him too. Yeah, you could see that if there was something that um, I guess, yeah, this point, yeah, uh, that M. Night uh, took from this series. It's, yeah, that, like I said, that there was an idea of people bowing before Aang. And he kind of got, I don't, I don't think he stole it from, from this, uh, from yeah. this scene. So, I mean, you could say he probably did, but I'm like, yeah, I guess he just wanted to, like, put it with Aang and see how Aang felt. And I, I did definitely enjoyed that from that part of the movie, and I enjoyed it in this, because I guess. Roku's in a better situation, maybe. I mean, obviously, he's aghast. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't be? Yeah, you you are like the reincarnation of many other people. Uh, you are like a god incarnate. We bow to you. Yeah, yeah that's a question whether if, whether they view them as gods, but I guess we can yeah, get into that a little bit later, too, maybe. Yeah, that's something else I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Slade continues narrating in Zuko's head, excuse me, about... Uh, you know, the state of what happens and that it was uh, the night of uh, Roku's leaving uh, before he ventures off onto his uh, spiritual journey. Oh, who, who, who were you saying was doing the narrating? Because I, I mean, maybe I was wrong. I thought this was uh, uh, Ron Perlman. I didn't look it up. It is. Oh, okay. But it's Slade. Uh, who, who's Slade? That would be one Slade Wilson. A.K.A. Deathstroke. Oh, the A.K.A. <laughs> the antagonist from the Teen Titans show, airing around the same time. You gotta explain that two Teen Titans references. You don't explain it. Just leave me and the audience baffled. <laughs> it's just like this is what uh, people would have heard uh, around this time uh, while it was while Avatar was airing. So I was like, yeah, I just might as well make that reference. Yeah, I would think he was still more well-known the same year from uh, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, that come out in 2008. There is that, but hey, man, he's a man, Perlman, he's a, he's a class act. He's, he's always good, man. You, know, you never can go wrong with the Perlman. Yeah, I think he's quite good here. So, 
So I'm glad I asked because, yeah, I was getting confused. I was like, who, who is this lady he's talking about? I was like, maybe I'm just wrong about who this actor is. <laughs> so Sosen comes in to uh, Roku's uh, study or his, his room and is kind of, you know, trying to make you know, light of the situation uh, and, and try to you know, cheer up his butt because, you know, he's, he's got to like, it's not happening to Sosen. Like Sosen will be, uh, the, the, the fire lord one day. You're right now, he's obviously Prince. Uh, his fire, his father is most likely the fire lord, so he, he'll, he'll be like, you know, uh, gradually he'll, he'll be like pushed into it, or at least he'll, he'll settle into the role. This is different where, uh, nah, Roku now has like the weight of the world on his shoulders in a way. He has to learn different cultures, he has to learn different aspects of, of bending, uh, go beyond what he knows as firebending. Definitely, definitely something that is interesting there. So it's a lot of weight is on his shoulders right now, and probably a lot is going through his head, is given the fact that he can't even take any possessions. Uh, you're not allowed to have any. Obviously, clothes are allowed, but I assume yes. Uh, you cannot be bogged down by such um, commonalities as like you know a picture of uh, of your family or painting of your family or like a toy or, or something else. Yeah, and I like that Sozin, you know, as a way to kind of be like, hey, you know, I know there's a lot of change going on for you right now, but maybe they'll let you take this possession, this 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 royal, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a hairpin kind of. Crown. Yeah, I, I guess a crown. It is the crown, which technically is the crown, or at least the headpiece that we see uh, Roku always wear. Oh, yes. Uh, when we see him older. So it's like, aha. We have it, and we, we get a backstory to that, and it makes sense as to what that is. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a sweet moment between them. And Roku's like almost like, oh no, this this is too important to your family. I don't want to take this. And it's you know like something that royals would have, but yeah, Sozin, he's such a good guy at this point. He's like, no, no, I want you to take this. Yeah, to show how close he means, and as a memento to. Roku to remember him by yeah. he gives him this headpiece and yeah it's a good cementing of their their relationship I'd say in that he potentially will return it to him I mean I don't know what happens when uh, Sozin has a son if they have to make a new headpiece but anyway we're not getting into those details but the details that we will get into um, even though we come out of the flashback and into Zuko I don't know what is thought process is there and if he's muddling something to himself but we uh, flash over to Aang as it's nighttime and the gang kind of being perturbed as to uh, some musical notes that uh, emit from Aang oh is that supposed to be diegetic I thought that was just weird like comedy music was that supposed to be something else I'll let you decide yeah and what do you feel about that that joke and kind of Katara's stunned uh, response, like, yeah, are there are there toilets or bathrooms in the uh, the spirit world? What do you think about that? Well, I love the response uh, and answer that Sokka gives because he has firsthand experiences way back in the spirit world in book one, if you recall, where he was like, yeah. I got to go to the bathroom. I do like how smug he is about it, too. <laughs> Yep, but then you're also going to love the smug look that Aang gives at 0823. You're just like, that's a memeable image right there. Yeah. Uh, as it actually transitions to something that is happening with Aang, where he is on, uh, he's he's sitting atop of Fang, riding him. Like a beast of burden. 
steed. Yeah, and we cut to Roku giving Aang a little bit of a rundown of his time learning the elements. Let's go with old Roku in this case. <laughs> they kind of separate the two. Yeah. Uh, so his first stop is the Southern Air Temple. Hmm. Why does that sound familiar? And uh, with this, he's going to, it's his first element. Uh, makes sense. It's in a cycle, of course. Uh, so he'll end with Earth. Um, we have him meeting one, not yet to be monk, uh, not to be monk, Gyatso. Mm, yeah, which I quite like seeing him there. And his younger years, he seemed very Aang-like back then, which makes sense. Quite the trickster, troublemaker, and uh, jester he was. So he's no matter how old he was, he was always a young uh, kindred spirit and the lovable, laughable guy at heart. Yeah, and it makes you wonder how much of, uh, you know, because him and Aang are such kindred spirits, you got to wonder how much of that comes from Gyatso that he gave to Aang, that spirit of uh, mischief and fun. And the other thing is that if Gyatso was so close to Aang, was it because of Aang himself or because he was seeing a reincarnation of his previous friend? Yeah, which is quite cool. I really like that idea. What I also love is when uh, Roku's getting the hang of the air gliding. Gyatso's like, I'm going to show you one up and starts air surfing. I'm like getting the flashbacks to the opening of Treasure Planet where we see like, you know, the uh, um, jacks that like start to sky surf. Like, Oh, that's funny. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, just euphoric right there. <laughs> no, that's fun. Yeah, and that is awesome. Well, yeah, we'll save that for a discussion one day. Uh, but unfortunately, he doesn't. Yetsu uh, can't sustain, uh, you know, the, the hold fast enough. He can't can't stay on his glider quick enough, and uh, yeah, falls off. Thankfully, Roku's there to catch him, but unfortunately, the added weight uh, and the still uh, fully not experienced Roku uh, is taking on some lower waters, and uh, well, with all the other mad strike. All like bubble pins. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and I like Aang's amazement that him and Roku shared this this friend and Roku's response of some friendships are so strong that they even transcend lifetimes. I think that's a really beautiful moment there. Say that friendship is magic, potentially. Oh, oh, oh yes. Another spoiler for a potential series we might cover one day. I don't know. So before we keep going, I gotta ask Caleb. Is this avoiding stuff with, like, these, even though you don't care for those, is this avoiding things like Star Wars prequels and sequels where everything is connected to Skywalkers? Uh, in, in, in what way do you mean? Well, you know how everything, like, George Lucas kind of centered everything around the Skywalker family in the prequels and the originals, and they even continue to do so in the sequels? Yep. Yeah, I get what you mean in that part. I'm just not sure. Because Roku and Aang, you know, they're, they're, they are so similar in their way. Maybe their paths were, were similar. Are, are you also talking about the fact that they shared, a, like, at least one instructor there? Exactly. Yeah, and I wonder if, if Gyatso, was he the one training Roku? Or was he just another person learning there at the same time? I think he was the same age as him, so he was, like, a, a friend of him. Mm. Yeah, I would wonder if um, Gyatso would purposely seek out Ang to train and maybe you know petitioning for that role it could be like oh i have experience with the avatar so i think in universe especially with their kind of reincarnation kind of thing i think it would make sense that yeah 
they would walk some similar paths here or there. Yeah, secular cycle of reincarnation. Um, Even though all these people are connected, which we'll see at the end of this episode, um, that is a different story. Or it is a different story to the Skywalker saga where that was connected retroactively rather than this where it's doing it because it's like part of the lore. Yeah. Yeah, it fits. It it seems to fit. Yeah. This circular uh, puzzle piece fits in the circular slot. Moving forward. Uh, we next go to the Northern Water Tribe. Um, don't know what the Southern Water Tribe was like at this point. doesn't matter. Uh, and we, again, see something similar where Younger Roku is having some problems as Aang did with, uh, with earthbending. This time with waterbending. And that water is the diametric opposite of firebending. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, we, we, we skip past some of his, his failures as we see that he's by the time we're getting this clip, he's mastered it seemingly, or at least gotten a very good grasp of it. Um or as the uh as as his instructor would say, too much, too much, too much. <laughs> yes. And I like seeing the city again here. It looks like it looks a little bit different, which I like too. Oh wow, like almost a hundred ish twenty or two ish hundred years ish difference. That's surprising. <laughs> That architecture well, would change that line. Yeah, it would have been easy for them to just copy and paste. So I like that they took the time to, you know, make it seem a little bit older. I think that's cool. I'm not going to go into all the specifics because I didn't prepare for it. But I definitely know that if you did do your research uh, and by when I say research, just looking at the episodes themselves, you don't look anything up online other than images. You could probably see that there is a difference between armors outfits and architectures at this point uh in history yeah and then we we transition over to his earthbending side of the equation with his master is it sud sud (laughs) which was just making me think of uh it was just making me think of mud (laughs) and remember kids mud spelled backwards is dumb anyway so sud like you know quickly you know shoots up the mountain with his uh with his rock and thinks that he beat Roku, and Roku's up there being like, would you like some tea? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, him talking about, oh, this is one of my best friends, and, you know, it kind of made me wonder, like, are we going to see this guy as, like, a really ancient old man? But I guess he would be, you know, it doesn't seem like their lifespans live that long, but maybe we could get flashback with Aang at some point might be nice. Yeah, you like like after the series, like conf- like seeing going going out to the world and seeing if Sud still uh, is around, or just like maybe Aang met him at some point and didn't realize, but this guy knew. I think that'd be a cool flashback or like a comic short, like he met Sud as an old man. Yeah, kind of like booming almost. It's like I'm honored to meet you, Avatar, and you could have something there. He'd be stupid old because if Boomy was Aang's age back in the day, then like I think the guy is near dust. Oh, I mean a hundred years in the past. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hundred years in the past. Okay. Yeah, like met Aang around the time that he was. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, that's what you mean. Where? Yeah. No, that would be actually. Yeah. No, I I agree with you on that. That'd be really cool. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I would have. Maybe it's in one of the comics. I don't know, but. Like before, before Aang got iced, uh, when like when he was traveling around, seeing Boomy or seeing Kuzan, uh, he went into the Earth Nation or Earth Kingdom and saw saw Sud. Yeah, I'd like that. I think that'd be cool. Didn't think of that. That's cool. Yeah, no, uh, put that. All right, yeah, right, Brian, uh, uh, Michael, if you're listening, uh, uh, please, <laughs> if you don't mind, 
do that. And uh, yeah, as we see, you know, they're enjoying their tea together. Then we cut to an image that's going to make both me and you choked. As we see in, you know, a a Roku seems to have aged several years. It seems like mastering all these elements, you know, it's taken him a fair while, you know. So, yeah, that's that makes you think. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as Sozin said, 12 long years passed before I saw my friend again. So basically for all those you know, individuals in university or college, that's how long it's going to take to get your PhD, if not longer. Yeah, 12 years to master the elements. And Aang has how long? Uh, Three months, if not two. Yes. That... Eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Ten weeks. Yeah, that's... Uh, hmm. Yeah, he hasn't even started firebending yet. Let's just... Uh, well. But the image, though, of taking all that aside, the image of Roku uh, doing those four simultaneous blasts. Oh, yeah. Stellar animation, clean, clear, colorful. Like, that's what I like to see. Great use of motion. It almost seemed, I I almost wondered if they did a little bit of uh, a rotoscoping, just maybe a smidge in there, just with how smooth the motion was. Oh, like with if Sisu Kisu was doing a reference where he literally transitions between each of the uh, martial arts styles. Yeah, I was thinking something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. I think you're onto something. Yeah, that, that looked great. And yeah, we cut back again to see Zuko just entrenched by or uh, entranced by this story. I should yeah, say he's like he's eating this thing, man. He, it's it's he's his eyes are glued to the page. Yeah, and they have some cool transitions there too. Like I liked as he's reading the, the fire kind of engulfing the, the frame. I think that was cool. Yeah. Also symbolizing that we're in the um, fire uh, war chamber in the castle, excuse me. Yeah. Which looks gorgeous. Again, some really beautiful set designs or uh, I, I guess seeing set designs seems a little bit odd, but well, actually there are no flames. Instead we have a, at eleven sixteen a magnificent, yeah. piece of a dragon not piece of dragon but a magnificent architectural piece of dragon it's warm it's glowing it's not imposing at all it's like it's i mean it's imposing don't be wrong but it's not as like cold and um, yeah. ominous as like the current fire lord's chamber with like all fire everywhere this time it's with a dragon symbolizing i guess like greatness and kingship kingship excuse me yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's definitely a big contrast to how, uh, yeah, current Fire Lord likes to have it, you know, all dark and mysterious, so. <laughs> I wonder what made, who made the transition. Yeah, and even though there's been many years between them, they both look different. Yeah, they they greet as old friends, and as if they, as if no time had passed, they pick up right where they left off. Yes, with uh, Sozin, though, kind of, he's, he's now Fire Lord. Uh, Sozin is, at first it seems like he's a little bit stern and whatnot, but I guess he was like leading to a joke. He was like, not yeah. a joke, but like a, a good warm embrace to his old friend. Uh, yeah. Like usually the citizens of the nation would bow before the Fire Lord, but you're in a session and instead embraces him, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And then we see, uh, I guess as he came back, he decided, okay. All these years away, I've still been thinking about that that lady of mine, that that girl I had a crush on, and luckily enough, she was unavailable, and the two of them, yeah, I guess, fall right in love and quickly get married. Yep. 
So, to Tom Man, yes. So, Guru, what was that about Aang not being able to have uh, earthly attachments and romance? Yeah, we, we just got to accept that that Guru, you know, like Yoda, was just a bit of a fool. He didn't quite, uh, he had some good ideas, but around the edges, yeah, he didn't really know what he was talking about to some degree, so... Now, when you say Yoda, are you talking about prequel? prequel Empire. Yoda. Okay, I'm cool. talking about. I only because when I thought of when you said Yoda, I'm like I'm thinking of Empire. The sad thing is, is yeah, Empire was like one small movie compared to all the stuff we've seen since. So that's I feel like the majority of Yoda now is the bad Yoda. See, in a way, I was thinking of Yoda, like Empire Yoda, and I mean, you could you could also call him a scumbag because he wanted luke <laughs> well hang on hang on hang on hear him up because he wanted luke to stay in train even though like his he could he could tell his friends were in danger He's yeah like, you know stay here train get ready to fight vader and and your your friends will be okay or at least you know your friends can handle themselves but, I, but obviously luke was too uh you know hot-headed and, and was was emotional at that point and wanted to protect his friend so that's where he got a blood and went and got him and look what happened so you could say that yoda was kind of also scumbag there but maybe i'm looking at it too differently yeah he's looking at the bigger picture in that case you know you put your friend's lives against the lives of all these other people you'll save okay fair enough also by the way at uh 11 nine uh you can see in the background many many of people of different nations coming together uh for the wedding which is kind of cool i guess uh these are people that either 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 they're like important people from like uh like, like um aristocrats or um tycoons or just like you know people of high people of higher class who are just you know part of the uh higher class in the other nations or uh, there are people that Roku met along his journey. So potentially yeah. Monk Yatsu was uh, attending the the, uh, the wedding. Oh, I wish we could have seen it. That would have been cool. Yes, where we actually had all four nations together. Fascinating. Yeah, and I'm sure if this is fascinating for Zuko to read. A very different picture of their history than what uh, yeah he's been presented with usually. Yeah, no, I because I, are all these are like... Uh, is all of this included? Well, yeah, is all this included in there? I guess, like, did people know that? Do, do the citizens of uh, present day know that Roku and uh, Sozin were friends? Or is there alternate facts? Oh, I'm positive there is. I'm probably, probably the whole image of this period is very different. Yeah. I mean, Aang's getting a firsthand experience of this. And again, I don't know how much of Sozin's writings are to the truth or again whoever the you know propaganda minister is and how they spun the tale it would seem that sozin's inner machinations for a vision is taking root yeah and and he does we, i guess we will save some of that for a scene where he explains his vision but oh yeah of course well i guess actually that's happening now <laughs> that's happening <laughs> of course um he asks Tamin for permission to uh, talk to her husband. <laughs> I love, you know, I know she doesn't have a lot, but I like her little like comment of just like, ah, it's a little bit untraditional, but uh, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> like, fair enough. I like this lady. Um, 
and uh, yeah, they, they they excuse themselves and they go into. I love the I love the palace by the way. It's all so colorful and um, yeah. the lanterns are are just the lanterns everywhere are gorgeous. Yeah, but this 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 scene here, I mean, it's if there is a propagandist rewriting Sozin's history, uh, they ain't uh, they ain't painting him that great. I mean, sure he he wants to bring his prosperity. I guess the Fire Nation's at a, a time where it's really booming. Everything's going well. They're in peacetime. So he decides in peacetime that he wants to bring that prosperity to the rest of the world. But we haven't really seen, or at least they haven't done a good job of selling it. The rest of the world's in, in turmoil. This kind of seems like a time when everything's fairly peaceful all around. So so it's hard to sympathize. may have a point of like, you know, we don't know all the details here. We just know the Fire Nation's perspective and not what the other nations are like. I mean, the nomads are nomads. Like, they, you know, they they have technology, but it's relatively simple technology. Um, the Earth Kingdom has their own form of technology, but it's fun. maybe the water. Here's the thing. And we actually do have, like, a audience surrogate in that it's Roku. Like, he traveled with these people for like, or lived with these people, I'm not saying 12 years, but he traveled the world for 12 years, so he knows what the world is probably like. I don't know if Sozin has gone around the world to see what uh, the world, the geopolitics are and the economic state of the world, but I was thinking more, is he trying to say like, let's share our technology and passion with others as in like, hey, let's do an expo. (laughs) So like Expo 86, like, you know, let's, let's, let's share our, you know, our, our technologies with the world and see if, you know, they'll, they'll bring our, into, they'll, they'll agree with us in industrialization or is it full on like, um, colonization or expansion, sorry, which I mean, he uses. So, uh, well, he does say in our hands, you know, it's, it's time we expand our, the, the most successful empire in the world. So. Yeah, I think he makes it pretty clear what his intentions are. And I, I wish that they did a better job of fleshing that out. Maybe they just didn't have enough time. Why he feels the need to do that. I mean, just saying, oh, I want to bring their our prosperity to the rest of the world. Again, if we'd seen that the rest of the world was in, like, turmoil, maybe that would make him more sympathetic. But it does just feel like all of a sudden he's just decided to be a villain because he likes power. I'm going to put a pin in this, and we will save it for later. Sure. Um, because yeah, no, let's just, yeah, put a pin in that and I'll, I'll get to it. It would be interesting. Yeah. Where all this came from again, it started from like a passionate idea of like, let's, you know, give people what we already have. That's good. Um, and that can still be complex and, and gray, correct. And not just like, Oh, it's evil. Well, if, if, yeah, if you, like, if you're looking at a, a nation that's just struggling with all, with war and a government that can't put itself together and you think, oh, we, we have so much prosperity here. If we go and, and, you know, we take over, maybe we can help them have what we have. That's a more sympathetic point of view. I still think that's a flawed point of view. You know, what right do you have to decide what, what they're going to do with their nation? But it's at least a sympathetic one. This one, yeah, it's, it's just without painting the other side is really anything. They don't give us any view of what the rest of the world's governments or societies are looking like, except for these isolated little pockets with these, these masters. So that's, that's all I wish was there to, and maybe they didn't want to make Sozin too sympathetic, but I feel like it would have maybe made him a little bit more layered and interesting if they did. 
And so, continuing onward, Sozin went ahead and made plans already. We see yeah. a little more either middle-aged or, you know, in, in the middle of his life, Roku, uh, going to this town. We see some strip mine. That was the word I was looking for um, last or two episodes ago in this uh, Sokka's Master. Um, some strip mines. Uh, areas of this Earth Kingdom, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if it's—I don't think it's Bossing Say. I mean, maybe it is, but uh, the city is now under the control of the Fire Nation. Oof! Yeah, that's 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 spooky. And I like the the shocked look on Roku's face. I think that's very relatable. <laughs> and then he storms to the palace. He's like, "Okay, I've had it." And I like when he shows up. He likes comes in in like a like a plume of—is it dust or? Well, could be smoke, could be vapors, could be dust. I don't know. It's something. But yeah, it comes in like a smoke screen and he's, uh, he's showing his temper. And we see um, around uh, Sozin uh, all these, these cauldrons of fire mm. um, emitting, which we didn't see before. So obviously something has, has changed. Chamber still seems to be its normal self, but there's now fire in these cauldrons. Yep, a nice subtle choice to yeah show... The temperature is rising across the, the nation and putting pressure on them. Yeah, and they have a very fire ex exchange. How dare you occupy the Earth Nation? And then, yeah, Sozin responds, how dare you, a citizen of the Fire Nation, address your Fire Lord like this? So very, very different dynamic than the last time they met. If you're not with us, then you are against us. Yeah. Here's my question. Did Roku at all go and free that colony of the fire nation or no that's a good question i have a feeling that he wanted to come and let this guy clean up his mess i see that's the, the sense i get that he out of respect to his friend would want to step on his toes enough to you know destroy that installation or at least kick the people out yeah, I mean, no, he, he's not going and burning every, like, Fire Nation citizen here. I'm just saying, like, would he at yeah. least, you know, destroy the means of their control? That's that's what mm. I mean. Obviously, there's used democracy. And he says it's over, and I wasn't sure if he meant their friendship or the occupation. It, yeah, that's, it, it, it's pretty, like, ambiguous and vague the way he said it, because it could mean any, both. Yeah. But either way... Uh, Sozin hates what he hears and he decides, okay, you're going to disrespect me, the most powerful man in the world. I'm just going to burn you up. But I'm assuming he knew that that blast was going to, you know, be a failure. It was like, you know, I guess in rage, like he was, he was doing it out of rage and we saw how like intense the flames were and, yeah. uh, somehow his rug or centerpiece of, I don't know if that's a rug or if that's just like a tile floor some sort of like anyways I, it's not nothing is like aflamed and Roku's gone wow he got him instant vaporization wow that was easy I guess go and find the airbending avatar now I will say I do have one uh, issue with this scene and I under, I understand why they didn't do this but I, I feel like it would have made the scene have a little bit more realism to it if you want to put that in there <laughs> but so so uh Roku just storms in at random, doesn't announce that he's coming. And the Fire Lord's just sitting there on his throne. And there's no, like, guards around or anything when any random person can just storm in like that. 
I, I feel like there should have been some guards that were assisting in this fight too, but I understand why they wanted to make it more personal. Oh yeah. No, I think, I think you're right in that. And maybe like guards were there or there just don't aren't any guards there. I have no idea. I mean, you saw what would happen. I mean, yeah, the, or, never mind. Yeah. The guards probably could have helped, but we saw that, uh, how intense those flames were from Sozin. So make a point though. Yeah. And then to make it even more intense, Roku pulls up some earth and basically puts the, the fire lord on a pike and like locks him up on the ceiling with it, traps his his robe. And then he destroys the ceiling, too. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like almost a terrorist act shows up at the palace and then just yeah cripples it. I was like, wow, that's that's some that's a strong statement. <laughs> so he doesn't destroy the establishment of the colonies. He instead destroy comes in and destroys like, you know, part of the palace as a sign of dump that's that's called using diplomacy well it's you know at this point it's past diplomacy at this point is you may think you're the top dog in this this world but me as the avatar i'm the one truly responsible for all this and his one mistake is that he he spares this this king or this emperor or lord like <laughs> i guess i don't feel like they ever call them emperors but if they call it the fire nation empire but either way, he spares him because of their old friendships. And yeah, had he made a different choice in this moment, if he had he killed this guy, maybe everything would have been different. Yes. And I love the animation, by the way, of, of like just the, the headshots between the two of when like, um, if, if you like Jiroku, if you step out of line, Sozin, I will uh, kill you. I love yeah. that animation. Like the facial animation on the, both of them is like so fluid. It's like, ooh, it's like molasses. It's so smooth. Yeah, and you got to think about the shame that uh, so uh, Sosa must have felt when someone had to come and help him down from there. <laughs> I think of the same thing. I mean, I guess he could have like used his flames to maybe like jet propel himself down, like off of his robe, uh, or he could have just like, like <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or he could have just like disrobed somehow anyway that'd be a long way to fall but uh yeah that's an awkward end awkward place to leave their their dynamic there for for many years 25 in fact and we see uh roku's island on 1505 and it's pretty lush and green a lot of verdant around there's a little civilization happening there so i guess it must have been a fire nation colony or not even colony but just like uh part of the fire nation excuse me yeah just an island, Roku's Island, I guess, at this point. And then at 1508, we see uh, the residency of Roku. And yeah, just, I just say it's important just because like, wow, it's pretty basic. It's pretty small. Like, I like it. Yeah, humbled. Yeah, humbled, exactly. It's something that I would love to live in uh, in my later years. Yeah, and then there's some, some rumbling happens. And at first I thought, like, oh no, Sozin's uh, attacking. He's finally decided I'm not going to put up with this. And gets them in his sleep. Yeah, I mean, it. They do like trick people. They, they trick us into thinking because we see like fireballs coming down. It's like, oh boy, catapults. You know what that means? Hmm. Yeah, but instead, it's just a, a natural disaster, kind of throwing a monkey wrench in the works, and forcing these two to meet again. As yeah, giant volcanoes exploding. And there's some really nice animation here with all this stuff. I think a lot of this looks great, and I like. Uh, how they take a moment as the whole town's fleeing and we see Roku and his wife. I like that they just look at each other right before he lets her go and takes his stand. 
realizing this is something that the avatar needs to deal with. I think that was a nice little attention to detail there. Was this all in vain, though? Like, yes. Everybody could have, like, everybody got off. And, I mean, if you're trying to save all that is left, start anew. And I only mean that because you're an avatar, so you could you have the power to, like, either unearth everything or at least start stuff new because volcanoes are a good thing. Bad for us and, you know, the wildlife around, but actually good, like, because they, they, they refine everything. They, they break things down and actually start a new life. Pretty violent, though, the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love Sozin's, uh, in, in his personal journal, while he's like, you know, 100 miles away. Of course it's the Imperial system. Of course they use Imperial units of measurement. Darn it. Um, <laughs> they, it's the darn Imperials. Um, they, um, he could feel the, the shakes of the, of the volcano uh, 100 miles away, questioning whether or not, like, if, if his friend needed help. I was like, ah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I think that is cool. Yeah, I like the image also of just seeing from the distance that giant giant plume of smoke like that. I think that looks really cool as well. A lot of great animation in this one. And what's funny is we see an image of Sozin. And he looks old and like beaten. And he's got all these like, I guess like liver spots on him. But I don't think those are there when we see him come to for the aid. I didn't know if that was some sort of like, I don't know, meant to be like ash on him or something. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they like kept that detail in there, but I like the detail though that he has all that. As either he's seen combat yeah. or years of stress have like gotten to him, whereas like years of uh, Roku has taken age very well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's an avatar thing, but but either way, speaking of the avatar, yeah, he's using all his his abilities to try to combat this this lava. Wonder why he can't just use lava bending itself, but uh, shush. <laughs> That's a very good point. I didn't even think about that, but maybe it was just too much. Maybe the the power, it was just too much to contend with. I mean, wouldn't he go into the Avatar state at this point to, you know, because remember when we saw Kyoshi, she used the Avatar state to split part of an uh, a piece of land and create an island out of it. Yeah, that is a very good question as well. Maybe it was because he didn't feel actually threatened at that point. He just felt like he was just working. In fact, she also used lava to move said like island. <laughs> so if it's just inexperienced, like with the, you know, the, the, with this volcano itself or using the avatar state, fair enough. And maybe Roku just wasn't as attuned with the avatar state. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at this point it's not been 12 years. It's been like, oh, good grief. Like more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 12 years from 16. Uh, that makes like, no, 28, sorry, 28 and then like 25 years, but it wasn't 25 years. So like, oh, wow, he got married at 28. Sweet. You know, now that I'm watching this and I see that, you know, it's, it's so clear that he's lost the battle. He, he, he's even like just standing on a piece of rock, like in the middle of a big lava field. And instead of giving up, he decides to leap towards the volcano. It's like, what was this guy doing at this point? <laughs> this is a lost cause. So, you know what this needs? There needs to be a reason. Why was why is Roku so bent on stopping this catastrophe? Like all the animals and wildlife are dead by this point. They've they've all been swallowed by this volcano. This is Pomp like he's literally facing Pompeii. Like Mount yeah. uh, Mount Vesuvius, excuse me. 
Like he's going, he's literally like attacking this. It's it's like, um, was it Krakoa? Oh no, that's the X Men thing, right? Krakatawa, whatever that island yeah. that like back in the turn of the century, like was so like erupted so much that it like caved the entire island in on itself or whatever. If I'm getting my uh, mm-hmm. history correct in that, so it's like, why? Like what? Do you have to like what do you have a chip on your shoulder that you have to show that you can take out uh, a volcano or else like the avatar is weak? Like this is a chip that you're that, that like you have to prove this to Selzen that like you have it. Like what? Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, that is odd. That is an odd wrinkle. I don't understand why he keeps going. But either way, uh, you know, just as he's potentially just as he's giving up. That's when Sozin returns and is like, need a hand, old friend, flying on his uh, his dragon. And I think that's nice. I, I sat up in my seat. I was like, oh, here we go. This, you know, this seems like a nice moment here. Maybe the, the hidden history was that they stayed friends until, you know, this guy was betrayed. But <laughs> but of course, that's just wishful thinking, you know, hoping against hope. <laughs> I love the fact that we see Fang around trying to like, you know, save his, his, um, his, his parent basically like trying to stay by his parent the entire time. Um, I also love the little detail. Uh, this is a real thing of, uh, depending on the volcano and there are classes and like, like grades to like volcanoes and how big they are. Um, uh, this one is probably a hot spot similar to like what Hawaii is on. So it's in the middle of the ocean. But I like how, you know, how intense this eruption is. I love how um, when it, when the uh, volcano erupts and lava spews out, the smoke and the volcanic gases, like, shoot up so intensely and fast that lightning actually occurs. That's a real thing. That is a real thing. I don't know if it's yellow or something. I think it depends on, like, the gases around it. But, like, that is so cool. When I first learned about that, like, back in grade 10, I was like, that's the most awesome thing ever. Yeah, no, that, that that is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, and we do technically see him use or uh, Roku use the uh, Avatar state before uh, Sozin shows up, and that he like uses it, like punches the ground, sends a shockwave to blow out the side of one volcano, and so kind of draining the volcano and, and stopping it effectively. And then a second, the second mountain erupts, <laughs> which yeah. is then when Sozin <laughs> comes in and provides aid. And the other thing was that, yeah, the, the, the nauseous gases and toxic gases uh, of the volcano are what, are what getting to Roku and causing him to deteriorate, which is like, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, and it almost looked like he was about to give up right before Sozin showed up. So, I mean, that's too bad. Maybe Sozin should have just waited. You know, just been like, I'll, I'll airlift you out of here, buddy. Let's just give this up. This is a dead end. So we do technically see uh roku lava bend as he like you know yeah. raises his hands up and he like brings it all down to compact uh the lava back in there and then we see sozin do his own technique which no way uh has done since this series uh, of heat absorption or heat redirection excuse me which looks to be something of how lightning is generated potentially because it's like, mm. you know like we see him like extend his fingers out to like release this gas um and basically pull in the heat and redirect it outward. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was nice to see that that detail, but of course this is too much to contend with, and yeah, it does not 
does not prove successful in their attempts. Yeah, especially when uh, eruption occurs, breaks uh, part of the mountain off, or uh, the column out, excuse me, and Roku saves Sozin by uh, creating, using his earthbending, and then they just retreat. Finally, yeah. a smart idea, but... Yeah, finally. <laughs> one, one tunnel or one air pocket blasts some gases into Roku's face, and he's that's it. He's down for the count. Yeah, he's... His, his, his lungs are still... His lungs are not... He cannot lung bend. <laughs> yeah, he's all disoriented. He, he's he's all shaky. And this is when Sozin decides for... I mean, I'm not quite sure why. I mean, maybe it was just like a, a fleeting impulse to come and save his old friend. And now that he sees this chance to, to get rid of him for good. I mean, honestly, he could have just shown up on the dragon and just pushed him right into the volcano, but... I guess it was seeing it like out of his hands. Like if I just, I don't have to help you here. I don't have to actually kill you. But if I don't help you, you'll die. Maybe that's what it was that allowed him to do this. It's the old Batman Begins mantra, I believe. There you go. Yeah. I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And uh, yes, yeah, so like like you said, the, with the tree back in the beginning, um, he sees an opportunity and he uses it to let the uh, environment finish him off. Even though he could have done the exact same thing, <laughs> had he just been at the, uh, been, been at, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I don't know actually. He could have just stayed in his uh, his mansion, and uh, or he could have stayed at the castle, and nothing would have, I guess, the same occurrence would have happened, I guess. Yeah, that's quite a sad moment. And if there, there's one thing I wish they hadn't done, because as we see, Sozin board his uh, his dragon steed, you know, he has a sad look to leave his his old friend there like that. But we do get a shot just as he's flying away. They like the camera stays stagnant. He flies right into it. As we see his face, it does look like he has a little bit of a smirk on it. I was a little bit like, yeah, that's maybe painting him as more evil than I feel like this episode's trying to do. But but I don't know. Uh, I saw it more as like intense, like, all right, I'm ready. I must do this. Like like I I must not I don't know. I must not make haste. I must like strike swiftly. That's fair. I didn't see a smirk. I I mean I didn't see a smirk. I could go back and look at it frame by frame, but <laughs> no need. Uh, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, we're not gonna do that here. We see the end of Roku as Fang comes to protect his parent, which is oh. lifelong companion, and yeah. they are buried within the rubble itself. The debris itself takes over him, and then we flash to a mother. She gives born to a newborn baby, and that is Aang, the new avatar. Yeah, we haven't commented too much on Aang's running commentary, but I do like his surprise. Like, wait, that that's me, isn't it? I thought that was nice. Yeah, you got to see your birth, and I guess that's your mom right there at 20, 27. Yes, and yeah, I was surprised that Aang didn't make more of a, a comment about that. Is that my mom? Like, I wish I could see her. Why doesn't she step out of those shadows there? Or is that his parents <laughs> in the background? Like, yeah, one's his dad, one's his mom. Obviously, one of them is a nurse. Actually, one of them looks like to have a beard. Like, come on, Aang. It's just like, it's parents, bro. Like, and then he goes yeah. into nothingness or the white void, excuse me. Yeah, I feel like if they could have had that, like, wait, is that my parents just as Roku is fading out? And then he turned around and then he was gone too. I think that would have been nice. Yep. But, you know, it is what it is. There's so much great going on in this episode. I can. You know, I, I can, I can tolerate those loose ends, <laughs> but then we have to cut over to, to Zuko just finishing up his side of the tale. Cause maybe Roku doesn't know what happens after this. Hmm. 
Well, it's hard to know because these these spirits do seem like they're around quite a bit. They're they're keeping an eye out. Yeah, how much do they? How much of the history of the world do they are they aware of exactly? Is there genetic memory in certain floral in, in certain floral places or in certain floral structures, or is the spirit world keep track of history? Who knows? Yeah, is there a newspaper? Is is uh, is the library? Do they bring a newspaper through there to the spirit world? Yeah, did Wang Xingtang know about this? <laughs> yeah, he funnels information. He yeah, he's got a little stand in the spirit world where people want to keep up on current events. <laughs> with his uh, with his fox spirits. Um, there you go. Uh, is is fox spirits uh, employed at the spine at, at the newspaper stand? Exactly. They're delivering it door to door. Yeah. <laughs> If you pay the subscription price. Oh, don't <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Nickel and dime oh. all day. But we see that, yeah, as the years went on, more and more bitterness seeped into the heart of Sozin. He started getting real paranoid about that, that uh, Moses that's supposedly going to be born. That's going to cause some problems for him. I meant the Avatar. I assume you meant, I thought this was instant, by the way, where he was like, I decided to strike immediately as the comet came into uh, place. This, this you know fable comet that comes every so often um and i used well it that's to, that's fair i used it to, actually yeah it was 12 years because Aang ran away so yeah you're right sorry i forgot about that so it took 12 years to plan this i thought he would do it immediately but i guess that is a reasonable amount of time to perform genocide on a temple or on a uh, on a nation yeah species yeah or people yeah i guess i guess it wouldn't be different species but <laughs> culture yeah cultures <laughs> um and yeah so that's the side of the story that we never heard of wow and he spent the rest of his life he he didn't even really get to see his expansions happen because he was so paranoid about the avatar he couldn't really appreciate his vision for the future are you saying that he spent the rest of his life on a ship no no i don't think so okay okay because i was actually thinking that he spent the rest of his life on a ship and that was something where, like, maybe the it, people within the, the, the lineage saw as, like, a madman or something like that, where he was, he was a crazy old man for being on that boat. And so his father decided to make his son take the same punishment as his grandfather once had. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I wish that they that's had... That's my read, but that's that's what, that's, what, that's what I think. Yeah, I wish that they had painted that, if that's what their idea was, if they'd made that more clear. That would have been really good. But I do like the image of we see the boat. You know, he was scouring the world looking for the Avatar. And to see that the boat even collided right over him, but they just didn't see down there. I think that's a really nice touch. Should have had submersibles. Just disc. <laughs> yeah, where's that... Where's that dang mechanist? Get him back in the office. Yeah, who hasn't actually been born yet. Anyway. <laughs> his grandfather. His great-grandfather, the mechanist. Whatever Odo was in Star Trek, and if Odo's character had a grandfather, I assume that had probably happened in uh, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh, I don't remember if we see him, but... Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, Zuko is furious because he has to pay some microtransactions to read the rest of the story. <laughs> Zuko furious? Did he throw the thing across the room? I was like, "Where's the rest of it?" I'm like, "You gotta pay, buddy. You gotta pay money for this." And it's, uh, like I said, it's nickel. You gotta get nickel and dime nowadays. Yeah, you only get to read part of the article, then you gotta subscribe. Yeah, 
boy i can't stand that i've I've had that recently where i've wanted to read articles and it's like if you subscribe to us with money it's like you'll it's like pass and that's when you took it and threw it across the room and they landed on fire and then you're like oh a hidden message and yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that to my phone because I don't want to get another phone. You know me when it comes to a turnaround with oh, there phone. you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but we see that, yeah, in in his frustration, I guess it's he's been reading all night. The first thing he does in the morning is goes back to the prison that's holding Iro, and he he storms in. And I think this is the first time that we get to hear. Uh, Ira speak this season I think this season yes not in like when Greg Baldwin was speaking last season when uh, yes the uh, tales of Iro and tales of bossing say yeah yeah it's the first time that he finally and this is how you know that he he must have some involvement here with the that that secret being passed on because he seemed like he was prepared for Zuko to show up I'm is I'm putting money and it's my fan theory that uh, Ira was the one who um, gave Zuko that message. Mm. That he broke out of prison and uh, got all the documents necessary and then gave it to Zuko because it is important yeah. for him to understand his lineage. Because Zuko comes in utterly frustrated at Iro, being like, what the hate does this mean? Um, and Zuko obviously not knowing if it was Uncle Ira who gave him this knowledge, who knows, but he's like, I've read my great-grandfather's history, my father's grandfather's history. And then it turns out mm. that that's not the great-grandfather I was telling you about, Zuko. That was not my grandfather I was telling you about. For there are always two sides of a coin. Yeah, that's what we are all made of, of course. Coins? <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm at I'm at I'm, sorry, I'm at twenty one forty five. Look, Zuko is it's kind of sorry, it's out of nowhere, that's kinda of funny. But no, for you see your mother's grandfather, Ursa's grandfather was mm. Avatar Roku. Yep, and that that definitely is the, the crumbling point. I mean Zuko's never been great at containing his emotions, but this this is too much of a revelation to be able to stomach. So the, oh, by the way, like 20 at like 22 minutes or 21 59, we see like Zuko kneeling down, like with his hands in his face being like, what is this? What does this mean? And we yeah. see uncle Iroh also kneel down. And there's like a, a light coming from the cell or coming mm. from the window. That's, I don't know. It just sounds, it's, it's like a confession. I don't, I don't know why it's like a confession booth almost. Yeah, and, and Iroh says the line, evil and good are always at war inside you, Zuko. And, and yeah, that it does slightly bother me to think, are they saying that there was just a natural evil inside of Sozin? And that's why he was compelled to have this vision of the, the future of, of domination? Is there that nature versus nurture thing going on here? That's a good question. All I know is that within Zuko and the six degrees of inner turbulence that has been occurring through him for most of his life, or at least since, yeah, no, most of his life, except for, I guess, the early, early years, uh, is two sides of his family at bay within his body, within his spiritual side. For on the spiritual realm is a battle between the Fire Lord and the Avatar. 
And whether that dominance is result of evil, it really should be ambition, and it got out of hand. Yeah. Uh, and Sozin has to deal with those sins, and everybody else beneath him, like legacy wise, like so Azulon and then Ozai, they now are brainwashed and programmed to believe uh, in his evilness almost, or his, you know, his, his legacy. But it all should have been a misunderstanding and things are getting out of hand for Sozin. But, anyways, continue on. Yeah, and I like that Iroh. Because he broke free, he could have taken this role as the, the one to fix this mistake. But he could always see that Inzuko was the, the mixture of that DNA. He was kind of the perfect person to be the one to, to step up and break this cycle and kind of repair the damage that those those two created in a way. Because again, Roku, I mean, I think he even said early on when he talked about how Aang was dealing with his mistake. And I think maybe that mistake was just not you know, nipping this thing in the bud when he first saw it and just killed Sozin. So I think it's nice that Iroh's always been leading towards this and, and giving Zuko that space to live in the mistakes he made at the last at the end of last season. And then choosing now is the moment where it's like, okay, now you've you've been broken down enough and you have enough understanding that you can move forward somewhere. So I think that was that's all well done. So in the beginning of the first episode of book three it was there where Roku stated to Aang that it is my fault this war has occurred. That is what you mean by uh, his his the sins that he he has, yeah. his hesitancy to not murder his friend. And to end this part of Zuko's story in this episode, Iroh presents him with a gift, a symbol of the tainted past for he has probably a treasure trove, not from in within this um, prison, but potentially he has found it on his worldly travels and probably discovered the nature of his uh, nephew's um, lineage. The crown itself that was atop of Roku's head or, you know, he wore for so long, excuse me. He didn't wear it, obviously, when he was battling the volcano. But he has found the crown on which Roku had given to him by Zozin and presents it to Zuko. And he says that it is only to be worn by the crown prince of the Fire mm. Nation. Yeah, really beautiful moment there. Really nice uh, kind of encapsulation of all this, this journey in this episode. And now, the epilogue. Aang has exited out of the spirit world and he relays all the information that he saw, witnessed in the past to his friends presently. Probably discussing the nature of the volcano itself and, you know, who lived here, potentially. Unknown stuff. But, you know, giving them a history lesson, of course. Hmm. Yeah, and, and to kind of address my, my comments of is this a nature versus nurture discussion here, they, they put it into words when we have Toph being like, it's like these people are born bad. But then Aang corrects and is like, no, I, I don't think that was the point here. I think it was meant to be that all these people had a choice. You know, it's not that uh, just the Fire Nation people are just, you know, born evil, that they everyone's capable of good or evil. 
It's just about the choices they make. And he even says that he thinks that uh, that the Fire Lord himself, uh, Fire Lord Ozai, should have a chance to decide. So that's interesting. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I just made that up. <laughs> I can't. I'm. I'm watching this scene now. And he didn't say it. I was like, oh, I was sure he said that. <laughs> I think you're thinking of something maybe later on, but no, I may. I may have just inserted. Maybe that was my fantasy of him saying it. <laughs> I insert a lot of things that are probably incorrect here throughout these past like three years we've done this. So, oh wow, three years. Oof. Maybe it's two. I don't remember now. Um, it feels like three. Tough asks <laughs> the important question: Do you really think that friendships can last more than one lifetime? Still haven't seen the end of Friendship is Magic, so I hope so. But anyways, yeah, I mean. It's like a question to ask throughout this, whether or not all these guys are reborn later on in life, and if it's only the Avatar who gets to cycle through each era. Ah, uh, yes, a question that I've had, yeah, many, many times watching this program, and I don't really think we get an answer, at least uh, maybe not yet. But nope. But instead, it ends with uh, them all holding hands in a comforting way. Of course, Sokka's like, scientifically speaking. I was like, just hold hands, bum. Yeah. Yeah, what is he getting into science for? I mean, obviously the, the avatar is being passed on. I mean, this is, come on. I don't think there's much debate here. But, <laughs> but either way, that's how we come to the end. And on a little joke there in this very uh, heavy episode. So that's that's fitting. But what do you think about this one? A fan favorite. Yeah, the avatar and the Fire Lord. How's this one landing for you all these years later? Quite heavy still however mm. two part should have been two parts i agree <laughs> there is so much what they do here is so good yeah but netflix you're not listening because we're nobody's make this two episodes that are like an hour each yeah, just to jump into your final thoughts. Yeah, this this is there's so much good here. There's a lot of really fantastic ideas. It just feels like yeah, there's just a, a few things that stand out more because of how good it all is. That it's like oh, I wish that this element could have gotten the same treatment that so much of the rest of it has. Such as Sozin's uh, motivation, which I mentioned throughout this. Yep. I just wish that that was fleshed out. Because it does kind of feel like, was he born evil? Was the ambition just a, like a poison in him? He has this vision for the future. What was that vision? I don't think we ever really get an idea of it. Yeah, what's, what's, what is the side of this? Like, why, what, what, what is wanting, what is making him all of a sudden believe in this expansion project? Where, like, give yeah. us reasons for him to do so. How does... You know, this this is something that Caleb would love to see. This is something like very Dune-esque, correct? Yeah, no, you could definitely do a lot there. And I even think, and I was thinking this when I was watching this earlier today, I was like, would I enjoy, now that the, the Avatar Studios is up, now that they're doing like movies, apparently, could this be a standalone movie, just seeing this? This could be a standalone movie. This literally okay, could be a standalone movie. <laughs> no, as long as they do it in your way of generational movie, where it's like different like just like in this it's different um eras kind of like citizen kane mm, yeah the whole span of the life yeah whole span of life that's literally like you could adapt that and make it like but by, by the end of it 
Roku and Sozin are about the same. You can like make Roku gray. I have no problem with that. Like where they both kind of have like a back and forth at each other um, throughout their lives, kind of like army generals where like one starts one thing and then the other has to like stop it or, or whatever. And then you also have to like, you can come up with a way to make Roku, I guess, prove himself against the volcano <laughs> or, or something <laughs> like that. You can change the ending of that. I'm not saying like volcano can take him out, but like, yeah. You could have some something about that island is so important to him that he doesn't want to. He can't bear to see it destroyed. Maybe they could insert something to justify that. Yeah, like a, I don't know, the tree of his daughter or some like a, there was a tree that his daughter planted that he made initials with Tom N or something like that. Like something effing important. Yeah, maybe like a vital like spirit portal, something that has a lot of spiritual reference or relevance since he's the avatar. I think actually not to like debunk that, but I feel like the spirit portal would ignore the laws of that physics in a way. I guess that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> like may, may like, unless like it just sank beneath, I, I feel like you could just or covered over it would still exist. Like, yeah, covered over. So you just have like t- tunnel under it, but I, I, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, but anyways, it's a good point though. Yeah. It would, it would continue to exist, but yeah, maybe it would be hidden for many years. So yeah, I don't know. Something. I don't know if there is a way to justify how passionate he is about that. Or, you know what? Agni Kaidul. That'd be really cool. Uh, you mean like change the, the death? Yeah, change the death. Instead, it's an Agni Kaidul along the volcano. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be kind of cool, actually. It would be, but I would hope that they would keep it in, with, in continuity with this. I would hope. <laughs> I know. That's that. This is this is true, but and we could even further expand a little bit of the the years after Roku's death, and we can kind of see the bitterness seep in. I think that could have been nice to see that fleshed out a little bit more. Maybe that would have, if we would have seen some disappointment with him and his his vision, maybe that would have also given some justification too, or not justification, but some uh, some further deepening. Like he could never reach that vision that he was always dreaming about. Yeah. But besides those negatives, I do think that this is a very strong episode. I think the art throughout is fantastic. I love the way that they weave the two parallel stories together in the different perspectives. I think all that stuff is expertly done. And I I like the little bits of humor that they add with Aang, seeing all this and seeing Monkeyatso again. I think that stuff is is warms the cockles of my heart, as it were. So, so I can enjoy all that. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I'd say critiques i don't know if i mean i, I would personally call them all what i said critiques just because like it's already a good episode there's just like a few more rewrites you need to well you need to but like i would i'd like to see done but that's me not uh, what we actually have so just yeah it's it's powerful stuff man like i i like it a lot and does it finally explains the world itself after you know so long this is this is what it's come to, has it? Expansion, mm. colonization, occupation. Mm. A bush. Oops. Oh boy, let's yeah, let's get start moving towards the end and away from that. <laughs> to end this, I ask all of you, if it interests you, do some family uh, tree history. Mm. See where your lineage is. See. If there were two sides of a culture or a family, 
or, you know, different countries that were at each other and then realize you are the product of conflict. Till next time. Peace. podcast contains spoilers for all seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Here we go again. Enter at your peril. We'll never come back again. It's got a death curse. We have such sights to show you. think that friendships can last more than one lifetime still haven't seen the end of friendship is magic so i hope so but anyways well i can say this for utah you're definitely going to see ang or his successor in the next life hey spoilers spoilers it's uh i gotta put something in the spoiler section anyways that's for you guys who love there you go where's those gremlins that's that's for you spoiler section fans (laughs) This kind of seems like a time when everything's fairly peaceful all around. So so it's hard to sympathize. Uh, so this is kind of extended universe, but I'll say it anyways, because I think the extended universe of this series is a lot more concisive and a bit more of a swallow than the Star Wars expanded universe. But anyway, and Legends universe. Uh, Avatar Kiyoshi, she lived for about like 250 years or whatever, absurd amount of time, thanks to the Avatar states. Oh, wow. Um, she cleaned house. She like made, wait, was it her or was it Yangchen who made everything like easy and or like she stopped corruption, one of the two. They stopped corruption and thus the next Avatar, either um, the waterbending Avatar or Roku, had it relatively easy like there that was a time of peace shoot no i don't remember now i think it was kirk i think that's that was the, uh, the water bending avatar i think that was him i i don't remember now anyways i remember something like that there was a there was a story where like they were they like cleaned house and like scraped the earth of all corruption and the avatar after them have it had it easy until it didn't but um anyways <laughs>